grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Tests of faith are the proving ground of the Christian life. Tests of faith are the proving ground of the Christian life. Martin Luther called it tentatio. We've learned that word through our dwell richly time. Tentatio. It's those challenges that come. Those challenges that come from life in the world. The challenges that come from the temptations of the devil. Those challenges to the life of faith that come even from our own sinful nature and our desire to follow more closely after Christ. This is the, the tests of faith, that tentatio. And wherever you are, when you encounter those tests, they launch you into the wilderness, into that wilderness place. And the wilderness is the place where faith is forged and formed, where character is cultivated. The wilderness is where trust grows or fails. The place of wilderness is the place of testing. And tests, that's where the Christian life really finds its proving ground. But as Abraham realized in our Old Testament reading today, this incredible story, at that moment where the test was most acute, more than any of us could possibly imagine, as Abraham realized, the God who tests is also Yahweh Yireh, the God who provides. The God who tests is also the God who provides, who supplies strength in a time of trial, who gives to you and me what we need in order to bear up under those tests. And nobody knows this better than our Lord Jesus himself. In our gospel reading, each year in the beginning of the season of Lent, we return with our Lord into the wilderness with him, where he endured the tests and assaults of the devil and more than that, for 40 days, 40 days in the wilderness. What I want to do this morning is to reflect on that experience of our Lord, to see how the Father strengthened Jesus in his time of testing, to learn and to understand how he upholds you and me too. And so as we reflect on this and on our Lord's experience in the wilderness, we'll see in principle three sources of strength in the time of testing, sources of strength in the wilderness, if you will. One is God's providence, Another one is the companions that he provides. And then thirdly, our identity, our identity given by him. So how do we have these sources of strength in the wilderness? Well, let's look to our Lord Jesus. What's fascinating here in his experience in the wilderness is no sooner as Jesus drawing off from his time in the Jordan River and his baptism, as straight away Satan gets him in the crosshairs and begins to tempt him. Mark in his gospel in particular emphasizes this. There's like, we don't know how long there is between the baptism and the temptation, but there doesn't seem to be any lull in the action. No sooner does, as Jesus baptized comes out of those waters as Satan is coming after him, testing him and trying his faith as Jesus endured for nearly six weeks by himself in the wilderness. Now, I find this instructive for you and me too. Because no sooner are you baptized as you have a bullseye on your back. It's not the case that in the life of faith that means that you're exempt from tests and trials. In fact, it's just the opposite. That as you are walking with the Lord, as you're trusting in him, even more so, that bullseye on your back gets larger and larger. You become somebody that the devil wants to take out because you're a threat to him. Baptism comes with a bullseye. We see that with our Lord Jesus. And it's true for you and me too. 
that as we go along in the life of faith, we don't want to be, uh, we don't want to be ignorant or naive. St. Paul says that we are not ignorant of Satan's wiles, the ways that he is coming after us. To the contrary, we know that he is a roaring lion seeking someone to de- devour as his prey. That's you and me. He's got you in the crosshairs. But we have a strength in the midst of this too. We see it there in Jesus' experience. Now, this is fascinating. Jesus comes up out of the waters, he's baptized, and then straight away, as we say, he goes into the wilderness to be tested and tempted. But who put him there? How did he end up there? Did you catch that from our reading? It says that the Holy Spirit drove him into the wilderness in order to be tested. God, the Holy Spirit, is the one who's responsible for Jesus being out there. Now, one reaction to that could be like, wait a second, why why would God do that? Like, how, how could he? But another, more accurate reaction is to look at that and say, oh, wait a second. God's in control of all of this. God is the one who is orchestrating and conducting all things to the good of his people. He is ever and always in charge. Satan is never in charge. Satan likes to think that he's in charge. But God is ever and always the one who is control, in control. This providence of our Lord is a great source of strength. To know that in that time of testing, that you are not alone. And not only that, that you are not alienated or separated from God. Because this is the one of the great temptations that comes with those times of testing and trial. When you're in that wilderness place. It's to think, oh, if I'm going through struggles and difficulty, it must mean that I've done something wrong. It must mean that that God has abandoned me. That he doesn't want to have anything to do with me anymore. This is where Satan especially wants to get a toehold into your soul to convince you, to persuade you, to say, yeah, that's right. If the Father really loved you, if he really cared about you, would you be going through these tests? I mean, for people he really loves, life is just nice and easy the whole way through. You don't have to read long in the scriptures to see it's almost the exact opposite of that. That for those who are trusting in the Lord, like Abraham, like our Lord Jesus, The tests come fast and furious, but in that time of testing, you could not be closer to your father's heart. In that time of testing, he's disciplining and forming and forging your faith as a father is drawing and disciplining his son closer to him. That's what it is for you and me. And so we have that source of strength that in a time of testing, when you're in that wilderness place, to know that nothing escapes that providential care of the father who loves you, who's for you, and who's with you there. And not only is he with you, but he sends companions too. And this brings us to the second source of strength. So the first one is this providence of God, to know that in that time of testing and trial, that nothing is outside of of God's control or his purpose and plan, but that he works all things to the good. But the second source of strength that we see reflected in the experience of our Lord Jesus is that God sends companions, comforters, in those times. Because you know what might be the most acute pain when when you're in the wilderness, when you're in that time of testing, is that sense of being alone, of feeling that you're alone. Whether you're going through a season of of depression or loneliness, whether you've experienced some kind of, of loss or addiction, And you think, I'm the only one who's ever gone through this, right? Nobody else knows what it's like. And it feels so isolating. 
That darkness starts to set in, and once again, the evil one wants to use that, exploit that, to divide and to conquer you and me. You start to believe, I'm alone, nobody else cares, nobody's for me, nobody's, nobody's with me. And surely nobody understands this better than your Lord Jesus, who not only went through these 40 days in the wilderness by his lonesome, but his whole life long, all the way up to the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's sweating blood, struggling with the burden that he has to bear. He knows what it's like to feel like you're alone, to be in that place, that time of acute testing, where it seems like everyone else has abandoned you, everyone has forsaken you, and perhaps even God himself, that sense of being utterly isolated. But notice this, that even in this time of testing for our Lord Jesus, when he's in the wilderness, we think of him being absolutely, totally alone there in the desert. And so many of the paintings and pictures that you see, it's just Jesus sitting on a rock all by his lonesome. But I, I specifically asked Becky to find a, a picture on the front of your worship folder that better reflects the gospel because we hear that, yes, Jesus is alone. He's bereft of any other human companions, but he's not by himself. God still sends the angels who are ministering to him in that time. And not only that, but get this, it says that he was with the wild animals. Now, for the longest time, I read that, like, Jesus is out in the wilderness and he has to, like, fend off all kinds of critters that are coming after him. You know, he's in, like, one of those survivor shows. And he's like, whoa, whoa, what do I got to do? But I think, actually, that God's showing us this picture, this anticipation of what was promised in the Old Testament, what's sometimes called the peaceable kingdom, when the, the wolf shall lay down with the lamb. That our Lord Jesus, already in himself, he is able to dwell with the wild animals because he is the Lord of all creation. For you and me, God also sends us comforters. As he sent comforters for his son in the wilderness in that time of testing, he does it for us too. He sends his holy angels to minister to you like flames of fire. That's their job. That's their goal and purpose, to come alongside you, especially in those times of trial, to bear you up, to encourage you, to whisper to you the, the positive promises of God but also through one another. His comforters come through the body of Christ, through fellow believers. And so many of you have experienced this. Perhaps it's in a time of mourning when somebody just sends you a little note, just a little card, a handwritten thing that reminds you that you're not alone. Or maybe they stop by or give you a phone call. It's the way that God sends comforters through the body of Christ too. And I'll even go so far as to say, not only through our human companions, but yes, even through the furry ones. I think that some of you would agree with this. We have such a thing called comfort dogs, right? And I've got my golden retriever who caused me, caused me a lot of headaches, but sometimes he brings me comfort too. God works through his creation to bring that comfort in that time of testing. And there's one more source of strength that we see here that I want to bring up. So there's that providential care, that sense, that confidence that God's in control. Secondly, the comforters and companions that he says, sends in a time of testing. But the third one, the third one is your identity. Your identity as beloved sons and daughters of God. And to get at this, I want to bring out a story that we've kind of been knee-deep in around our house that you guys probably know too, The Lion King. Um, Lewis and Beatrice are going to be in Lion King Jr., uh, being brought to you by our Bear Lake and Odekama schools on March 15th through 17th. You can get your tickets. Uh, <laughs> very excited about that. And so we've been listening to the music a lot and thinking about the story. We rewatched the movie recently, and there's this moment, maybe the most meaningful moment in the movie, where you remember Simba, 
who is the, the son of the great king, Mufasa. Simba has, has grown up, and he himself has gone out into the wilderness. And he's palling around with Pumbaa and Timon, and he doesn't want to go back to his vocation to be the king of the Pride Lands. Instead, he's run away. But then Rafiki comes, you know, Rafiki, the great monkey who comes to help him and to remind him of who he is. In fact, that's the question that he asks him. Rafiki comes, he, he finds, he tracks down Simba, and he says, who are you? And Simba says, I don't know. Rafiki says, I know who you are. You're the son of the king. He says, wait, you know me? And he invites him over to the water's edge. He says, wait, come and, come and see your father, the king. He still lives. He says, no, he, he doesn't live. He still lives. Come and see. And he leads Simba to the water's edge. And when he looks down into the pool, he sees his own reflection. And at first he thinks, oh, Rafiki's just, he's just messing with me. But he says, look closer. And as he does, he sees in that reflection his father's face. And he hears a voice out of a great cloud overhead that says, Simba, remember who you are. You are the son of the king. I get chills every time I think it's that moment. Because in truth, this is the voice and this is the promise that has been spoken over you and me. Even as it happened over our Lord Jesus and his baptism, we got a reminder of that scripture uh, this morning yet. That Jesus, when he's baptized, the Father booms out from up above, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Jesus is the true son of the Father, the son of God most high. He is the king of all creation. But so you too, when you were baptized, not only did you get that bullseye from the evil one, but also, and more importantly, you were branded with the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You had bestowed upon you this identity as a beloved son or daughter of the King Most High, where God says, you are mine. Remember who you are. When we enter into the wilderness, in those times of testing, it has to start with remembering and recalling our identity as beloved sons and daughters of the King. That's who you are. And come what may, no matter what else, whatever trials or tests, whatever temptations you might experience or even succumb to, nothing is going to separate you from that love that the Father has granted to you and His Son so that when you find yourself in the wilderness, know who you are and whose you are. Sons and daughters of the King. Listen, the God who tests is also the God who provides. For Abraham, God provided that ram in the thicket as he was there on Mount Moriah. But did you know this? That God has provided for you and me an even greater sacrifice. It was on that very same mount, Mount Moriah, two millennia later, the temple mount where Jesus would be crucified outside the gates. The Son of God, the only Son, the beloved Son. He is not the ram in the thicket. He is the Lamb of God who laid down His life for you and me. And so we know that when we are in that wilderness place, the Father does supply us with strength, the strength of His providence, the strength of those comforters and companions, the strength of our identity. But even more than all of that, He's provided for you and me His precious beloved Son, our Savior. And Jesus has already passed every test with flying colors for you. Amen.
And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.